This is Marriage to the Max, episode number 57. Hi, welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Brett Hurst. And I'm Kelly Hurst. And we are both marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Well, we have a very special guest in the studio today. Tim Maverick-George, good friend of ours, is a licensed professional counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a licensed chemical dependency counselor. And he is the head of the Houston Center for Christian Counseling here in Houston. And he is married to his lovely wife, Nancy. They have four gorgeous children. And uh, as I said, you're a very dear friend of ours. And we've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a long time. So welcome, Tim, to Marriage to the Max. Thanks for the invite. Glad to be here. Thanks for making the time. Uh, Today, we wanted to discuss kind of at a high level, 30,000 feet level, the effects of addiction in marriage. The reason I say it that way is because there's no way we can get into all the details and intricacies of all the various types of addictions. And, you know, addiction is a word we hear used more and more in the public square. Uh, It seems that just about anything these days, if carried too far, can become an addiction. We just wanted to see if we could maybe tie some commonalities between things that are um, classified as addictions uh, out in the out in the marketplace. Yeah. So, Tim, for all of us lay people, without getting too clinical, um, is there a definition of addiction, or are there hallmarks of just kind of what characterizes a legitimate addiction? There are a couple different quick little handles we can go with to identify some of the hallmarks of addiction. And for, I think, a marriage podcast like this, it would be probably most helpful to use something that's pretty simple, and that's to go with your ABCs. How about A, B, C, D, E? Okay? I'm game. And the, uh, yeah, you're game. So (laughs) the A part of that is the inability to consistently abstain, to abstain, the difficulty, not being able to stop doing you know, there's promises, say it's about drinking. I'm going to stop drinking during the weekday. I'm only going to do it on the weekend. I'm only going to drink beer on the weekday, and I'm going to hold mm-hmm. off and do my margaritas only on the weekend. And, well, yeah, I don't know how that happened on Wednesday night, but then Thursday night again. You know, it's just— So it's compulsive behavior. Yes. Right. And then the B part of that is impairment in behavioral control, and that is—that's where the impulsive, like it's out of control. It's It's— that I'm doing something over and over, and I'm getting these negative consequences. Mm-hmm. The C part is the craving, and that is that you're going about doing other things, and in the back of your mind, you're thinking about it. You're thinking about when you're going to be able to uh, uh, indulge with whatever it is that, that's on your mind. Mm-hmm. And so craving, it's a mental, it's an emotional, sometimes it even feels very physical. Mm-hmm. And with 
with chemical addictions, uh, I'll say that there is a very physical, mm-hmm. strong craving. And then the D part is, it stands for diminished, we, we put it in as diminished, the diminished recognition of significant problems. So people stop recognizing the impact of the problem. They, mm-hmm. It's what we, this is where the denial part mm-hmm. of, of addiction comes in that when we talk about denial, don't even know I'm lying. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so that people don't recognize it. And denial, the way it comes out, some commonly lay people will think, denying it? No, I don't deny it. But denying it comes in lots of forms, right. like minimizing it. You know, it's not that big a deal. Or, mm-hmm. you know what, Tim? Um, I can control it. Or they rationalize it. Right. They rationalize why they they had to do it. So denial can be subtle and then not so subtle. And that, that's that's correct. Right. There are degrees of denial. Yeah. Rational. We talk about rationalizes. They are rational lies. Mm-hmm. At some level, they seem to make sense. That's very good. Mm-hmm. And so um, you know, uh, Brett, I, I just you know I was really stressed out. My wife and I had had a problem. We had a, you know an argument or. And you know, before I knew it, you know, I just knocked back six of them, or I. And anyway, all of a sudden, it's just like I feel that rationally, it makes sense that if you were in my shoes, you would have done what I did. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the E That's is, helpful. the it stands for emotional, a dysfunctional emotional response, and that is that the person has an emotional response to one is if they can't have what it is that they're craving that they can become very angry, something that gets in the way of that, or they also have a, a, a an emotional attachment to mm-hmm. this thing, that when they engage in it, thirdly, emotionally, is that they will un- be uncharacteristic in how they act emotionally. Yeah, I don't know why I was acting that way or why I was feeling that way, why I was very angry or why I was... And so... They're losing emotional control. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, before we lay out some of the more common types of addictions, can you clarify the difference between, say, substance addictions versus process addictions? Uh, Some people assume that process addictions, for some reason, they say that they believe that they're not as difficult to control as substance addictions. How would you respond to that? Well, so let's just define the difference. Chemical addictions is just that. It's, it is a chemical that we're ingesting. So obviously alcohol, drugs, mm-hmm. even marijuana for our Colorado friends. <laughs> um, uh, just got back from Colorado. And that, that was a new experience to see marijuana stores and ads in the paper and on the – anyway. Uh, and then um, nicotine. You know, so these are chemical that is, we are taking a chemical into our body, and it changes our brain structure, mm-hmm. and our brains say, oh, I need this in order to function. Mm-hmm. Process addictions um, are things like gambling, mm-hmm. shopping, sex, that these are things that are they are events or processes, but they are not something that we take in chemically. Now, what's interesting about this is that um, if we were to discover addictions today, we would maybe not even make that distinction anymore mm. because what we realize now is that these same processes have a way of inciting brain chemicals that the endorphins, the encephalins, the neurotransmitters that are released with this is 
we actually become addicted to our own brain chemistry. Interesting. Mm. So the reward, motivation, the cycle that is um, part of our brain is that we become addicted to that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so we're sitting in a meeting, we're sitting at a church meeting, we're, we're walking the dog, and we have that, this craving. It's because our brain says, wow, I haven't gambled or looked at pornography or I haven't you know, done some process outside of myself. Fill in the blank, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah, fill it in. So what are some of the common addictions that you see in your counseling office that end up impacting married couples the most? I mean, if you had to just kind of throw a few out there, what are the common ones? Because you said an internet report. Yeah, there was. I, I, looked, I did a little research, and an internet report ranked the 10 most common addictions as alcohol number one. Uh-huh. Uh, and they, I'm going in order one to 10. Alcohol, smoking, drugs, gambling, food, video games, internet, sex, shopping, work, which I was really surprised, at least according to this report, that sex was that far down the list. Anecdotally, that has not been our experience with our work with couples. We would have put that a lot higher. Yeah. So does that play out correctly in the couples that you're working with? Well, again, not in that that rank order. Yeah. We'll be doing um, another podcast here before long on doing something with uh, pornography addiction. So that is the number one mm-hmm. addiction that comes through into my office. Yeah. Um, alcohol, drugs, you know, pretty much uh, right up there. More alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, issues around um, some gambling. Um, the whole video game thing is actually much more rampant these days to me. The the video game indulgence, the compulsion, the inability to shut it off, to stop it, the mm-hmm. you know, the compulsion around it. Um, even bigger than dealing with gambling, at least in my practice. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't get near as many people that are addicted to gambling as I do the inability to stop video gaming. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. And I'm not talking about kids by the way. Right. This right. the uh, um, for a marriage about- podcast I'm talking about Adult men and women. Wow, yeah. interesting. 35, 40-year-olds and so forth. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Huh. It's fascinating. You are listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max, and if you're in the greater Houston area, we want you to know that we host a monthly date night called Dinner and a Marriage. We'd love to have you join us. Visit dinnerandamarriage.org to find out more details. And we are continuing our conversation with Tim Maverdorge about the effects of addiction in marriage. And 
Tim, if, if someone is listening to this podcast and maybe they're not sure whether or not their behavior is classified as an addiction, what, what are some good questions that they can begin to ask themselves? You, you covered some of that earlier with your A, B, C, D, E yes. thing. Was that comprehensive? Is any Would I add anything else to that? You know, I, I would ask, are people complaining? Physicians used to have a quick little uh, four-step process. They called it the CAGE, C-A-G-E. And that was, real quickly, do I feel a need to cut back, be in the C? Do I get A is for anger? Do I get angry if somebody brings it up and says, hey, man, get defensive. you sure are putting them back these days? Mm-hmm. Wow. Hmm. Or um, G, do I ever feel guilty about my actions? Do I wake up and think, oh, man, that was over the top last night? Or actually, I don't remember last night. Mm-hmm. That's not a good sign. Um, you know, some internal nature of some small amount of guilt or large amount. Mm-hmm. And um, this idea, the last one, E being an eye opener. Mm-hmm. And that is, do I need an eye opener in the morning? So for alcoholism, alcoholism, that would be a real clear one where, you know, somebody needs a little vodka and tomato get- juice just to get myself going. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just helps me. You have your, your coffee and you have your Diet Coke, and I just have my, you know, my little eye opener here. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, but the reality is, is that some guys feel, and women, you know, that um, taking a few hits off of a joint or uh, doing a little video gaming even before I go to work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just want to see, or what kind of points did I accumulate overnight? I had this thing set up and, uh, and I'm going to check that real quick before I go to work. The eye openers are different these days in that it's not always Bach and tomato juice, but right. it's. Well, I remember a certain iconic national country star saying he couldn't go to sleep at night without smoking a joint. That, yeah. that would be an example of that yeah. kind of a. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, one question I have about this is if someone does realize that he or she has maybe. Maybe they don't know if it's an addiction, but they're kind of thinking it might be, and they want to seek treatment. How essential is it that the spouse be a part of that recovery process? Does it depend on what kind of addiction we're talking about? I'm specifically thinking of like we've we've met couples where uh, one spouse is probably an alcoholic, and they're kind of coming to grips with the fact that they might actually be an alcoholic. And so they might be starting to go to AA or celebrate recovery. And the spouse is a social drinker. And the spouse is wondering, well, does that mean I've got to not drink anything? And how does that, you know, work? So first of all, when you talk about treatment, let's just define that because treatment can mean a multitude of things. It's Mm -hmm. on a continuum. Mm -hmm. A because sometimes when people think treatment, they're thinking treatment center. Okay. You know, going to a rehab or something. And so on that scale, that is necessary for some people. But I would put that at, you know, that's on a 10. Mm-hmm. There are lots of ones through nines of treatment. Right. Um, you know, becoming educated about something, taking a look, doing some internet searches, you know, maybe moving up the scale, going to a recovery meeting. You don't even have to talk. These, you know, if you go to a 12-step meeting, you're not required to talk. Mm-hmm. You can just go in and sit down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, say you, you wonder, do I struggle with alcoholism? I'm just going to go and listen to some people talk. Mm-hmm. Go to a speaker's meeting. They have speaker's meetings where people will just talk. That's their, They have shared meetings and then speaker's meetings. Speaker, you, just, you can look them up. You can do a Google search for a speaker's meeting, and they will just sit there. You can become incredibly educated by just like going to a speaker's meeting. So. There's lots of forms of treatment mm-hmm. along the way. Now, 
you asked a question. I was answering a question I wanted to make sure I, I had out there, but your question was about a spouse involvement. At what point is it that a spouse gets shifted into the the accountability person or mm-hmm. if, you know. Which may not mm-hmm. be the best role for that uh-huh. person. Well, it's it's the absolute wrong role. Yeah. Um, but there's a need of having some Im- involvement with mm-hmm. the spouse. Mm-hmm. And um, of all things, we can actually create intimacy around this. Right. Mm-hmm. That I'm going to share this. Right. That when we talk about the levels of communication, um, I'm sure you guys have covered some version of this. You know, when we talk about the five levels, the cliches, the facts, opinions, and you drop down into those bottom two, feelings and then needs, mm-hmm. level four and five. Mm-hmm. And when we're talking about those, you know, there's a lot of those that come up in regard to um, any kind of addictive recovery process, mm-hmm. feelings that are going on and needs that are that are very real. Mm-hmm. Good. That's okay. helpful. Uh, a lot of people, Tim, uh, incorrectly believe that if an addict just had more willpower, you know, or loved his family or her family more or wasn't so selfish and on it goes, that he or she could kick the habit. What would you say as a response to that in general? Well, you know, it's a very easy place to land. Um, And if you don't look at this with a set of educated eyes and and just having, you know, the numbers of conversations that you guys and I I have had, it's it's easy to fall into the trap of saying, if she loved me, she would not do this, Tim. Mm -hmm. If she loved the children, is she crazy? Is she selfish? Is what's wrong with him? I, you know what? I mean, in, in faith circles, we'll say, I don't even know if he's a Christian. How could he go back and do mm. fill in the blank? Right. But if we don't understand that, however the addictive process got started, one of the th- the the key characteristics of an addiction is that the brain. You have to think that person's brain is hijacked. Mm-hmm. They are no longer... It's a good the, word picture. Yeah, it's the, the loss of felt choice is what mm-hmm. I call it. Mm-hmm. That person no longer has a, a sense that they feel like they can control yeah. that thing. And you know what? They're right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why they need incredible help. Mm-hmm. They need help from other people. You have to borrow other people's willpower. Mm-hmm. You have to borrow other people's strength mm-hmm. and compassion. You need a support system. Mm-hmm. You you need a support system, and and the the perception that if they loved me more, if they were Christian enough, if they loved their children, if they fill in the blank, mm-hmm. then they wouldn't do this. It just doesn't work that way. I wish it did. Yeah, because mm-hmm. then we could just teach everybody how to just love your kids more, love your wife more, and then that, that all those addictive tendencies will go away. Mm-hmm. And the reality is, once your brain gets hijacked, you know it is. Um, you always have a propensity to go back there. Mm-hmm. It well, goes back to step one of the 12 steps, you know, realized we were powerless over blank. And and for your spouse to learn to accept that mm-hmm. is an enormous gift mm-hmm. when you're struggling with an addiction. Yes. Well, yeah. I think we're all in agreement, too, because I, I know you both so well, mm-hmm. you know, that we believe even when addictions aren't present that we need support systems, you know, yeah. that we're not yeah. – wired or capable of doing life in isolation and by ourselves. Well, the gift of, of people that are in the recovery world, they get it. Yeah. Um, people that are doing this successfully. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen anybody that was successful in doing recovery and do it alone. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. I, I, um, 
I used to believe that, well, maybe they really can pull it off. They mm-hmm. said that they're a pastor. They can't go to this kind of recovery group, or they mm-hmm. are you know, a leader in the community. They'll be recognized. Wow, they have a good point. Maybe they really can't. They are the exception to the rule. Yeah. I've learned, wow, I, I, was, I, I was just wrong. Yeah. You know what? I'm sorry if any of you are listening out there <laughs> and you're saying, that's not what he told me back 20 years ago. I was wrong. I'm no, so sorry. But no, I appreciate I you being transparent yes. about that, and I'm, I appreciate you bringing up pastors and other high-profile leaders, they're no different, and they're not immune from any of the other need for support that the rest of us yeah. are in. So, Well, I have one last question for this episode anyway, and that is, and, and I'm not even sure if this can really be answered, but I just want to throw it out there. Can a married couple move forward in their marriage when an, when an addiction is present, and I'll say, and not really being dealt with? I know that working on your relationship is kind of sometimes part of recovery, and so I, I get that. But when there's a married couple who's wanting to work on their relationship or figure out what's wrong in their relationship, and there's this addiction that no one wants to deal with, no one wants to talk about it, can they really move forward? Or does it does the addiction need to be dealt with and then... Well, I worked in a treatment center for 10 years. One of the first lessons you, you learn about addiction, everybody has to learn, is... We call it the PPR, you know, that that addiction is primary, it's progressive, and those are the two Ps. So mm-hmm. to answer your question here, can a marriage go on or can it progress? The addiction is primary. It has to get addressed. It has to be healed. It's at the top of the list. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a matter of let's, you know, because couples will come in and say, yeah, we need to learn some communication mm-hmm. skills. We need to learn the five love languages. Right. Or we need we, to learn how to not fight so much. And yeah. we used to think, like you just apologized to those pastors, we used <laughs> to think the same way, that we could give some helpful marriage tools that would be effective. But we have learned yeah. what you're saying, yeah. that yeah. this is the primary thing. You've got to deal with this first. Yeah. First things first, and it is the primary thing. And so if that is operating, it will always deplete energy hmm. from the marriage. Mm-hmm. It will always override the marriage as much as a person may love their spouse. The brain is hijacked. Uh And so um, it will just continually get in the way. So couples will just frustrate themselves if it's like, well, let's just read. And I'm bringing these things up because this is what I see couples do. We started reading, you know, his needs, her needs, and my need is for him not to drink. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And and I need her to not shop so much. I need, you know, anyway... um, you know, the the fact is is that the addiction has to be arrested. It has to be it doesn't have to be completely fixed, but it has to be recognized and embraced and understood and begun worked on be, begun being worked on mm-hmm. before um, a, a marriage can really go forward. Yeah. Well, we always want to remind our audience that help is available and uh, most cities, certainly major cities, have just about any type of twelve step meeting that you need. Uh, Celebrate Recovery is one that we would mention a lot, AA and others. Reach out for help. We believe God is very much in the redemptive work business. That's what he does so well. Mm -hmm. And also, if people are in Houston, we certainly want to give a shout out to your offices. Where can they reach you, Tim, and your counselors? Well, our website is ChristianCounselingHouston.com. And the name of your outfit is? Houston Center for Christian Counseling. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
And Tim, thank you so much for making time Mm -hmm. to be with us on this episode. Uh, We certainly will bring you back in a few episodes, and uh, we'd like to open that invitation. Just keep that open all the time because (laughs) you you have so much great experience and information to share with with our listeners. Well, if you'd like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out our website at homeencouragement.org. Also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you have a topic or question you'd like us to discuss on this podcast, please send us an email to the Hursts, that's with an S at the end, at homeencouragement.org, and we'll do our best to get it on the air. Well, thanks for listening today, and until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.